I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today I'm with Joel Peed and Joel Nagel at the first day of the 2023 CLIMB Conference. We'll be recapping the first day and talking to our keynote speaker, Sean Wooten. Sean is a missionary to Bucharest, Romania, and leader of the Revive EE program. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Joel and Joel, first impressions of the conference? My first impression was just seeing the people. It was so encouraging. You know, we've, we've put a lot of work into planning this and executing it, and, and you kind of forget just how powerful it is to, to have these people come who, who want to grow their churches and have an impact. I think. I thought about like in the book of Revelation that the churches are like lampstands and like the light of, of God is on. And so we get like an opportunity to to impact these lampstands that each 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 person is representing a city where God's light is shining. That's an incredible thing. And it's just an incredible atmosphere. And, and Sean did an amazing job with the first message. Oh, yeah. It was a great, it was great awesome. kickoff. <laughs> Joel, Joel Pede? Well... Uh, one of the things they say in basketball is there's a buzz in the gym. And <laughs> there is. There's just a buzz. There's just a level of excitement. People invest a great amount of time, energy, yeah. money, sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so you come to something like this, and there's a level of just you haven't seen people. Everyone's, you know, hugging and talking and laughing. And there's just a, it's like a family reunion. Yeah. And so I think the uniqueness of this conference, this is our third one now. And a lot of these people have been to all three. Right. And so there's even a, a little a kind of a sub community of this conference that's forming. Exactly. And uh, it's, it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I thought you did a great job welcoming everybody at the beginning, kind of recapping how we started mm-hmm. the program you know you came up with the idea back in 2017 mm-hmm. called me then joel nagel joined us and it's just it's really been really been gratifying to see it, it grow and develop yeah. but I, I agree with you it was so cool to see so many faces i'd seen from the past mm-hmm. who were there in eau claire wisconsin four years ago uh gary roberson from hilo hawaii i mean i i was talking to someone who said that he got on the flight last night at like 9 p.m flew into LA, then just you know got in just today. And uh, he's just an inspiring character. You know, one of the things we talked about in Eau Claire is forming, Rob, you talked about forming mastermind groups. Right. Well, I just found out that these four guys from all over the country have their own mastermind group, and they've been talking every month since. 2019. Exactly. Wow. I was just blown away. Oh, it's so encouraging. Yeah. It's really awesome. Anything else stand out to you, Joel Nagel? I mean, Sean's lesson was a standout lesson. I think one thing we're doing different this year is, is the prayer room where we're praying for 24 hours over the course of the conference. And 
every participant um, made a, a prayer request card that's hanging from the ceiling of this room and so people can walk in and just kind of be it's like a cloud of prayers that they get to pray and and I just I, you know, we might never even know the impact that that has, but I, I know it'll be great. I mean, that's your baby. How did you even come up with that idea? Um, you know, I read a book called Red Moon Rising, which is about like this twenty four seven prayer uh, thing, and then uh, I and then mixed that with the Tabernacle with Moses, and, and then there it was. <laughs> you are one of the most creative people I know. I mean, it's just crazy the ideas you come up with, but you not only come up with the idea, but you executed. I walked in there and I was like, "Whoa, there's cards hanging from the ceiling. It's 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 really really cool." So, I'm scheduled Saturday morning to pray for half an hour and I know Awesome. How are we looking in terms of filling up those slots? I think I think we're we're filled up and yeah, so it's going to it'll all get prayed for. It's exciting. I wonder what's going to happen when you've got everyone praying throughout the entire conference. I think it can only be really good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's talk about Sean's lesson. I know Sean's here, but oh, let's, no. Joel and Joel, let's, <laughs> what'd you guys get out of his lesson tonight? Well, I loved the idea of what you shared about, you can start to feel like, what am I doing? Am I making any impact, any difference? Why am I really, and you can just start to feel the futility of rejection, failure, people struggle or fall away. And it's just so hard on your heart because you've given your heart. But you just came in like we are we are doing something very important and it's yeah. the most important thing going on in our city yeah. and i love the illustration of the titanic and the two lists that mm. was awesome that was powerful oh my gosh and there's all you you know the stratification going into the titanic first class second class you know lower class and at the end there's only two lists lost or saved yeah that was awesome and so it's all about. So I think it took me back a little bit to my young Christian roots of the zeal of just yep. loving God, loving each other, sharing your faith, saving souls. So it was, it was awesome. And I, and I think it's important to say. I, I I just believe it's important to give honor where honors due, and. It's important, I said it tonight in front of everyone, I think it's important for you to understand the kind of impact you've, not that you've just had in Eastern Europe, but across the world in our fellowship. You have had, you've been an inspiration mm -hmm. in your sacrifice, in your uh, loving of the poor and the orphans. I still remember as a young Christian, the hope, the hope, thing and the, the big uh, um, Michael Jackson was there and it, as a 20 something year old baby Christian I'm like this church is phenomenal yeah yeah so thank you bro for <laughs> for the impact that you you've had all over the world absolutely how about you Joel Nagel yeah I, I, mean, I thought it was the, the perfect kickoff for this conference because it was so inspirational but also just so simple yeah. in the best possible way like um, and I, I think I think about like the old-timey preachers doing like a fire and brimstone message where it reminds everybody that, that they, there's hell and we need to be saved from hell. And this message was like the opposite of that. It reminded everybody there's heaven and we need to not be lost That's right. so we can get to heaven. That's and, right. Uh, and it was just so inspirational. And, and I think even just your, your demeanor and your posture and your joy while preaching that, like it, 
it's it's more than just the message um, that comes through, and uh, and so you know it made me it made me want to do a couple of things. Maybe want to do a raid on Hades, <laughs> uh, get through those gates because it's not going to overcome. And it made and it made me want to say hello at least once a day next year, like every single day. Yeah, say hello to good. somebody. Which if you gotta you gotta watch this when it comes out on YouTube because that's that's code for having a conversation about Jesus with that's somebody right. every day. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was uh, it was an incredible start. I really appreciate the lesson. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to add real quick yeah. is there's we're small church leaders, but these are not a lot of these leaders are not young leaders. A lot of young leaders, right. but a lot of old timers, if mm-hmm. I can say that. Yeah. And it's neat to feel the history in yeah. the room. Yeah. And you mentioned it briefly about how much this group has supported your family and loved your family. Like that's. It reminds me that we are a family. Mm -hmm. This is my family, and I love my family, and I'll do anything for it. And um, so to to see, you know, Tom McCurry, Mm -hmm. um, John Oaks, right? Like these are not you know twenty five year old (laughs) rookies here. Like this is this is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just the. The speakers, which I'm so proud of, is that okay? I'm just so proud of the right. the list of speakers that we have, but the people who are coming to attend and learn and share ideas—it's yeah. just a—it's magical. I know, I know. I was I was so happy. I, I you know I shared this in Sean's introduction that when we first started planning this year's conference. The first person I thought of was I got to get Sean Wooten to come to our conference, and I remember talking, mm-hmm. you know, talking about to you guys about that, and I'm so glad that mm-hmm. he accepted and came because it just got our our conference off on such a great start. Absolutely, I think it really united people. This has been been kind of some divisive years and just kind right. of like, you know, people arguing about peripheral stuff. But I felt like the lesson really pulled us all in. There was so much like, amen, that's right. Because mm-hmm. he was talking about the passion that brought everyone into the ministry in the first place, which yep. is, hey, this is this is important work. This mm-hmm. is life or death. Just like you shared about the Titanic, that was so powerful about how in rescuing people, there were just two, two lists, those who were saved and those who were lost. And it, it kind of brought me back to those, you know, the evangelism seminar, World Mission Seminar '87, when they they'd have the, the the list of people, you know, people dying, people being born, mm-hmm. and just it, it just makes it so clear, like, why am I doing this? What what matters? And I think Sean's lesson made you proud to be in the ministry because yeah. you're doing something that really is significant and it matters. And I think it really encouraged for for sure it encouraged me to go, Rob, you really made a great decision <laughs> to go into the ministry back in 1987. Mm-hmm. And I think every minister has really taken some hits. I mean, it's part of the job, for sure. We were definitely jars of clay, but it really encouraged people to go, that, I, I'm really in a good spot. I'm, I'm really doing the right thing. And I, I think he really encouraged people. Because mm-hmm. there's times when you feel like, why am I? Why am I doing this again? Exactly. And was that the right exactly. decision? Why did I give up? I mean, That's sometimes right. when I hear what what uh, um, starting people in my education start at in their pay, 
Right. <laughs> it's what they start at now. Right. Like, oh, man, I've been 30 years into this. It's like, <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. I know, exactly. I don't want to think about it. But but it's talks like this where it's like, that's why I'm in. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm doing this. And it's inspiring to the next generation. Oh, so inspiring. Because we desperately need more ministers. Exactly. Yep. So yeah. that kind of inspiration. And I think we've learned a lot in the last 30 years. So we can, the I next mean. generation of ministers can be can be healthier and, uh, you know, more sustainable. But Yeah. I think it was a great kickoff. What do you think, Joel? Absolutely. I do too. You guys? Yeah. Small churches, but a big and important job. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on the program. And thank you for pushing through the jet lag and speaking and kicking off our conference. Mm, thank you. Closer? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's amazing to have you here. You mentioned in your class tonight, your lesson, that you can't stay in a place longer than three months at a time. Can you talk a little bit about what you meant by that? Yes. Um, actually, before I share about that, I do want to share with your podcast um, and everyone listening. I feel very blessed to sit at this table with the two Joels. <laughs> um and Rob, and uh, just I really think part of what I communicated tonight is really based just off watching the way the three of you have been serving the kingdom and the fellowship these last few years because every city needs a chance to be saved. Yes. And mm-hmm. every state and every country deserves a chance. What, what they do with that chance is going to be up to them. Mm-hmm. But they need a chance. Yep. And... Um, I think a lot of attention in our movement has been to the big churches, and there's a lot of resources for the big churches. And I think our smaller churches have really needed more pouring into and uh, more encouragement. And the fact that God put it on your guys' heart to see that need and to step into that vacuum and fill it with encouragement and faith in this conference, it's an incredible platform to strengthen our fellowship mm-hmm. because our fellowship is only strong as the the smallest member. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I'm sitting here with three heroes for sure. <laughs> There's no chance jet lag is going to kick in at this moment. So hopefully everybody has time to listen to this three-hour podcast because <laughs> I now have the mic. Um, <laughs> But I do appreciate the three of you, and I know Thank everyone you. who's listening would say the same thing to all three of you. Thank and you. Uh, this was awesome. It was a it was very encouraging um, night, and I appreciate your observations. I feel very uncomfortable you saying nice things about me. But <laughs> thank you for that. But it's very interesting to be in this crowd tonight because there's veterans, people who were way before me, right. um, that poured into me, like Tom McCurry, for instance. Mm-hmm. I took him to Chernobyl. Oh my gosh! And uh, we went to the reactor. <laughs> um, so oh, wow, we can do a separate podcast on that. <laughs> but, but my Geiger counter was screaming. Oh no! It was screaming. Oh my gosh! So in Kiev, a Geiger counter reads at about 15. In Chernobyl, once you get to the 10 kilometer zone, it's reading about 30, which is considered high. But when we got up next to the reactor, it was reading 600. What? Oh, oh my gosh. And it was literally screaming. Like the, the beep was just this, it was like a siren sound. It didn't even, you didn't even hear a beep. It was just a siren. 
and we're standing right next to the reactor. I have a photo. In the photo, the film is blurred because of the radiation that was hitting the film the same time. Oh, my gosh. But I looked at Tom and I was like, dude, it's a miracle both of us are still alive. <laughs> it is a miracle. Yeah. And if we turned off the lights in this hall, me and you would be glowing. So there would be a natural energy source coming from me and Tom if, if we would have lost power tonight. But, yeah, I'm just heroes. And um, I just... I was very I felt very honored and my wife really wanted to be with us tonight but she wasn't able to uh, leave the country right now yeah so but back to your question um, as you know um, US citizens aren't allowed to stay in European countries for more than 90 days at a time unless you have a, a residency card so at this current moment a US citizen can't be anywhere in Europe I used to have a Ukrainian residency card, but we can't go back to the Ukraine right now. So any country in Europe, the longest I could stay in any country is 90 days. And then you add my wife, who's Russian. She can't even stay 90 days in most of these countries because of the sanctions and, wow. you know, Russians aren't um, not allowed. Each country is a little bit different, but it's it's hit and miss. So unless me and my wife can both obtain a residency permit, we can't actually stay in any one country for more than three months at any given time. So that's the current challenge. She's, of course, from Moscow, which it's not safe for me to go to Moscow. And we have an apartment in Kiev, which is actually right next to an army base. So <laughs> not quite sure how that's going to end up. Um, but we obviously can't go back there at this moment. Um, we did get a residency card in Moldova. That's why we were able to stay as long as we did. And just three days ago, I got my Romanian residency card. So I can stay for one year in Romania. But that's why she couldn't come to the conference, because if she leaves now, she's stayed her 90 days, and she can't get back in. Um, so we're waiting for her to get her residency card, which that's hasn't right. come through yet, which it could take a little while. So <clears throat> wow, that's what that means. Now, you went into a church in Romania that hadn't had a native baptized in nine years. Yeah, on the, on, the, on the membership list, out of the Romanian Christians, the youngest disciple was baptized nine years ago. Oh, my gosh. What was your plan walking in there, and how's it gone so far? Um, so... Basically, when a revived team comes to your country or to your church, there's two things we try and do. One is most of these churches have no campus, no teens, no young professionals. So you use the revive team to launch that. Okay. That's almost like a church planting. If there is one or two singles, we plug them in to the revive team and they all go do it together, which is amazing right. uh, super proud of the revive team they're out sharing their faith they don't speak the language um, getting rejected hundreds and hundreds of times but uh, like i said tonight there's 68 people studying the bible right now wow um, young professional stunning awesome spiritual people that are seeking god literally seeking god um, we've had several people get invited that were like i was just praying that mm -hmm. i felt like i needed to find god and then you invited me. This can't be an accident. This is what they're saying to us. Hmm. So that's very encouraging. But then at the same time, you have a church of 38 people, uh, 15 of which are over 60. Um, everyone else has young teens, preteens. And um, 
really good-hearted people. And it takes a special type of faith to watch a hundred of your friends walk away over the last 20 years and you stay. Yeah, yeah. Right. And you don't just stay, you stay with hope, you stay with a spark in your eye, and you don't know how it's going to happen, but you just hope that it's going to happen. And it feels like you get to be a part of a blessing because you come into town with the answer to their prayers. Right. Um, So that's very encouraging that God lets us taste some of that, that we get to be a part of seeing answered prayers for people. Um, But then it's... uh, yeah, then it's uh, we, we just work very hard to strengthen the church. And when we come into a church, the goal is for the church, I mean, right now it's in 30, we hope that when we leave it's 100, which means every member of the church now needs to become a small group leader. So from day one, we have a strategy to train the entire church to be able to be able to take care of baby Christians. And that's the vision we paint. Hey, there's going to be 100, 100 members here, and... Five years from now, there's going to be 500, and in the next 10 years, this church is going to be 1,000. That's our goal. Get every church in Eastern Europe to 1,000 in 10 years. Wow. And then they can plant churches all over their country. And, you know, it's obviously not about the goals or the numbers, but that we just want every Christian to feel like now's the time. I'm going to grow, I'm going to learn, and we're going to love people, and we're going to say hello, and we're going to encourage, and let's, let's... Let's save this country. Let's let's do it. So that's that's what we're doing, and it's great having Derek and Leanne Vet there. We've never had a, wow. a a senior couple like that with us in the first three revives. Now that's like a reunion, right? Because it well, you guys were on the Moscow mission team together. So they were on the Moscow mission team. I was on the church they planted in St. Petersburg. Okay. So they were my spiritual parents. <laughs> so Derek basically raised me up from being a Bible talk leader to a church leader. And uh, wow. so, yeah, we go way back. I was his best man in his wedding, and we lived together. Um, then he led St. Petersburg. I moved to Kiev and led the church in Kiev. And yeah. then they, they planted a bunch of churches in Europe and went home. But now they're back with us. Oh, wow. Which is incredible. And um, so, yeah. It must, it must be awesome having that partnership with an old friend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, you're not just the old man kind of <clears throat> leading the kids. You've got a partner who's around your same age yes for sure and the previous and right now so what we do is the the vets take care of the church like they're working with the church and we're able to focus on revive before when we were land the Wooten start to lead the church and right now sean and lena are officially leading the bucharest church right but you're also trying to lead the revive team and they need training and encouragement daily um so that was too much that was very difficult. Okay, that leads to the next question. How in the world, where, where do you get the energy? I mean, you, you've got to be in your 50s now, right? Yes. Okay. And <laughs> I wasn't obvious. <laughs> I'm glad that wasn't obvious. Were you thinking 60s? But you're, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're in your 50s. You're on a mission team. Takes mass. I mean, you're you're talking about the sharing that you're doing. You're out there just preaching the word. 68 studies. Where does the energy come from? Where does the drive come from? So in the beginning when we first did Revive 1.0, it required me being out on the front a lot more because we were trying to figure out what this should look like. Um, The Revive team is pretty self-sufficient. They're they're pretty awesome. And we have, you know, a couple people on the team have been doing this now three years in a row. Wow. 
and some of them are two-year repeaters, some are three-year repeaters. We have one four-year repeater. So they know how this works. Like they know how this works as well as I do, probably even better, some of it. So the Revive team really goes out on their own. My task is more to train them, keep them encouraged, keep them strong. Um, so I don't have to go out on the front lines as much as they do. Got it. Okay. Um, so that's delegated a little bit at this point. Yeah, because I, I just thought, how, how is he going to be able to manage the, that level of intensity year after year? That's, that's a lot to ask. So we do, yeah, each day is broken into two chunks of four hours. There's four hours where we pour in, and then there's four hours when they pour out. I see. And um, the way our schedule works is the, the first two-hour appointment you have each day is with God. And that's the most important appointment you're going to have all day. Like, wow. sit at the feet of your Creator and wow. marvel at how awesome He is. <laughs> and that's so we don't start our staff meeting till eleven because I want people. I don't want people exhausted pushing through. I want right. them alert and sitting down with the best hours of their day. And then we come together for training and building faith. And we just build our faith and we build each other up. We have lunch and then we go pour out what God just poured into us and. And we cap it, right? We say, okay, let's do this for four or five hours, and then let's call it a day. We, we're not going to do this eight hours a day and then run out of steam three months into this race. This is a marathon. Wow. We have 10 months. Okay, so if a person was <coughs> going to join Revive EE, so they wake up, they have a quiet time, they've got time in the morning to spend with God, so they're mm -hmm. not burning themselves out. Then they meet with you, they get training, have lunch together, and then four hours just out reaching out, and then... That's yeah. That's so we we do in the afternoons. It's like four hours of mission time, and obviously the priority is you want to study the Bible with people. So studies get our priority. We fill up our schedule with our studies, and as soon as that's totally exhausted, then we go to our contacts. And right now we have sixty-three people who've said they want to study the Bible that we need to follow up with. So we have sixty-eight people studying the Bible, and sixty-three people said I want to meet to study the Bible. So our focus is on the sixty-eight because God's already brought them in and they've already started. As soon as we fill our schedule with all those 68, then we focus on the 63, because there's no reason to go out and meet somebody new if we can't take care of the people who've already said, I want to meet. And then after that, then we go out. Um, so that's how we prioritize the four hours, five days a week. Um, you know, we just, we really, really pray. And we really believe it's not an accident that we're in this city. And every time you meet someone, there's the obvious question, you're from where? You're from America and you're living here? Mm. What are you doing here? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm here to meet you. Mm -hmm. I came here for you <laughs> because there's something God wants us to see. And I love this verse, Colliday, who's on the team. He had an insight into Cornelius when he said, you know, Peter, you're now in my house. Um, in the presence of God, tell us what you've come here to tell me. <laughs> and Colladay's like, that's how I should view every meeting I have with people in this city, that now that I'm here, let's open the scripture and let's sit in the presence of God to hear what he wants to tell you. Wow. And it's just, it's all about letting people have a chance to meet God. Yeah, amen. That's amazing. No, yeah, it was a great, it was great. Now, let's talk, a, you were in Moldova up until now, mm -hmm. helping out, especially with the relief of the Ukrainian refugees leaving the country. 
who who'd you leave in charge of that church? Like, you know, you were there, then you're gone. It's got to be a vacuum there. Um, actually, not so much. Um, we have a great couple who was in the Odessa church, um, Sasha and Lena Zhigulin. Um, they moved into Moldova when the war started. And for the first two or three months, there was a lot to do with the refugees. But most people didn't want to stay in Moldova. Like they came to Moldova to go see, they want to get to Germany or Switzerland or where life is right. better. Um, so the work with the refugees was very intense for the first two or three months. Um, but then it kind of settled down. Like there's not an influx of people coming in or out at this point. And most people are moving back because, you know, the air defense systems in Kiev are actually, I mean, it's nerve-wracking. I mean, I was in Kiev. It's nerve-wracking to hear the sirens go off at 3.40 in the morning and you're running, you're getting dressed and running down eight flights of stairs to get into a bomb shelter. It's, I don't know how our brothers and sisters handle that. Um, so very proud of them and praying for them. and. They've had, I think, over 80 baptisms now since the beginning of the war, the, wow. the Kiev church. So I'm proud of their faith. But Sasha and Lena Zhigulin are leading the church there in Kishinev. Um, when we moved there, it was about 41 disciples. It's 86 right now. Wow. Uh, there were two members under 35 when we moved there. There's 40 now. Um, so there's just a whole new, it's just a brand new church That's I mean, it's a lot of, and that was kind of unintentional right Moldova wasn't like a targeted it wasn't even on the list <laughs> <laughs> I literally we had a list and it wasn't even on the list <laughs> but looking back at it it's so God right because we landed in Odessa we were never supposed to go to Odessa and then we landed in Moldova we were never supposed to go to Moldova but then probably the most challenging situation in the history you know at least in our history right. of that part of the world that we were totally set up to take care of them and you know it was very hard because there's no day off when a war starts there's no like it's you're going 24 7 but i felt like god had positioned me and my wife for this moment because we led a huge chunk of the moscow church for 10 years we led the Kiev church for 15 years, and we worked for hope for 10 years. Mm. And like now there's this situation where Russia, Ukraine, and hope all need to come together. And it just felt like for a time, for such a time as this, we were in the right place at the right mm. time. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I feel very blessed to have been able to be there for that. So you're going to be in Romania for another year or so and then can you talk a little bit about your future plans where are you going after that so we should be in romania till july 1st okay. that's this revive september 1 to july 1 revives 10 months um and then the current plan is the vets will stay to lead the bucharest church and um their goal would be in the next two or three years to raise up a church leader a next gen church leader um yeah and uh, we want to move on to Bulgaria um, September September 1st. So we would go to Bulgaria for 10 months. Take a, We actually have a couple there that's leading the church, so we don't have to take a church leader with us. When we, Romania is unique that we landed in this church. It's 38 members, youngest Christians, nine years old, and there's no current church leader there at all to even greet us, help us, 
Um, there have been some incredible, good-hearted people there that have stepped up, um, for sure. It's a, it's a wonderful church, very friendly church. Um, but it had lost its way with the mission. Um, so that's what we're there to restore. Hmm. Um, yeah. So then we'll go on to Bulgaria. There's a church leader already there that we will just train and get them, help them out, um, get that church growing, and then we'll go to the next country, next country. And the, the plan is for the, till 2030, every year we're in a different. That's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. You know, you showed me some of the, the pictures of the people that you're reaching out to and it, incredibly beautiful people. I mean, it just looks like, it's like uh, dancing with the stars or something <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Eurovision. <laughs> Everyone was a glamour shot. It looked really amazing. And you mentioned the people are incredibly friendly. Very friendly. Oh, it's one of the most friendly places. Um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible it's crazy. It's it's just very friendly. I know this is the thing I love so much about Eastern Europe. I think in general is that it's a it's a very educated part of the world. Education was always emphasized. Um, people are very hospitable, and it's very family. Um, unfortunately, there's been a lot of corruption in those countries, so they've always been suppressed or you know challenged economically. But um, the hearts are very pure. And, and very kind That's so amazing. yeah love it is there a what is the culture as far as attitude toward faith Christianity is it kind of an anti hmm. environment or is it seem more open to faith that sort of thing so each of those countries are are different uh, they have different very different backgrounds but with Romania it's 85% Orthodox so the Orthodox Church has a very strong presence there. Um, so they're very proud also of their heritage. Um, but the younger people, it's interesting, um, the Orthodox Church, it's very reverent, but it's not really a community. Like it's not a family. You wouldn't call it a family. Sure. So what's been most amazing is um, people come to our church service, and I kid you not, they'll at the end of the church service, I mean, they'll cry during the church service, um, and then they'll, and then they'll they'll be like, people are hugging me. Like, why are people so warm? Why do people care about me? And um, I mean, every church service, without, with, there's never been a church service that there hasn't been a visitor that came and says, I've never seen anything like this. Like. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. Like, they they believe in God, or they want to know God, or they've learned some things about God, but they've never seen that that community. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, and you know, that's the beauty. And, and my heart always goes out to those people who do one year challenges. They go to a church by themselves, right? And they're trying to make an impact, but it's so hard to demonstrate right. that right. when you're there by yourself. Right. But when you come with a team like that, yeah. and you build it. To really love one another and our team's from 10 different countries and our youngest members 20 and our oldest members 65 wow. so and we have russians ukraine i mean there's anything that everything that could possibly divide us is in that team yeah but the team isn't that way yeah. um it's like the titanic we're ignoring the reasons we got on the boat right mm -hmm. uh, we're just focusing on the two reasons we're here and it's to save people that's right and then that trumps everything else. And then people see that love and that unity. They're like, what is this? I mean, we went into an ice cream store. We ordered ice cream. 
by the time we were leaving, they're like, why are you leaving? Can you stay? <laughs> and we're like, we'll be back next week. And the next week we came back and they brought the owners in. The owners came in Sunday night to meet this group of people. And the owners were serving us ice cream. Wow. And at the end I said, it's time for us to go. And she said, could you stay? Look, she said, I have goosebumps when you're in here. I have goosebumps watching your guys' relationships. And I'm like, where, where else could this happen yeah. except God's kingdom? Right. It's just God's kingdom. That's right. Wow. I could have missed the memo, but how, how do we, how can we support you? How can we, how are these team members funded, mm. um, recruited? Mm. Uh, well, I guess more my question is more the funding. How, uh, is there funds that are raised or given or how can an average person listening to this boy this is moving souls are being saved I want to be a part of that how could that how could we help wow thank you for asking that um, that's there's so while I'm leading revive we're also recruiting for the next revive right um, so right now there's applications for 5.0 um, we're still missing. We need we need more people to sign up. We're still missing. We don't have enough people that have signed up yet. So, if you're listening to this and you think God's calling you to a ten month adventure to come and help a country that doesn't have Christianity, we would really appreciate you signing up. Signing up doesn't mean you have to come, but it can get you into an interview and you can ask questions and we can figure out if it's a good fit mutually. We don't. We don't want to pressure people to come. It's it's got to be mutually a good fit. Right. Um, and then once we choose the team, then we have like three months of fundraising. And most, you know, every member of the team opens up a GoFundMe or does something, and they say, "Hey, help support me. I'm going to go spend ten months of my life um, on the mission field, and then come mm -hmm. back to no job, no, you right. know, nothing." Yeah. I mean, these are very sacrificial people, and I think. Although it, it adds another facet. And even if someone said, hey, I could pay for the entire team, I'd say, well, maybe you could pay for 50% of the entire team. Because I think fundraising, it gets our hearts That's great. into That's right. it. Yes, um, absolutely. And um, so when you come over, you just quit your job that you can't come back to. And you're going to, you've put, you know, we basically live on $1,000 a month. That's what we live on. So everyone raises their $10,000 for the 10 months and another 3000 to get over and back and some visas and stuff like that and so everyone's got their thirteen thousand dollars in the bank and then we we all go and then they you know most of them want to stay so then they do the fundraiser again and they mm. they stay um but yeah that's that's how we do it so i mean anybody who's listening to this and wants to reach out to me and says hey i'd like to help i would love your help um but for those of you who you know um, maybe now's not the best time. Around March or April, you'll see the GoFundMe start to pop up everywhere on go. social networks, yeah. and you can just click on any of those and, and give them a hundred bucks, give them a thousand bucks. But I do think, you know, I love that verse where it says God gives us everything we need to kind of accomplish what it is He wants us to do. Mm -hmm. And I really believe we have a special fellowship, and I think God's given us everything in our fellowship we need yeah. to reach the world. I do too. I think there are stellar, stunning, heroic disciples of 20, 30, 40 years in the faith all over the United States yep. that could take 10 months. There's empty nesters. There's people that have retired. 
that their retirement could cover a thousand dollars a month. That's right. right. Absolutely. Um, and you could come over for a year, and maybe in your local congregation, there's 50 people that could say what you just said, mm-hmm. but over here, there's nobody who knows what you know. Mm-hmm. And I just think, come and come and spend that time. Yeah, that demographic of empty nesters or, re- or retiring, and what do I do with my life? Right is a huge strength in our fellowship yeah for sure right now and it's going to get stronger as more and more and so having not just thinking mission as young people but like the vets have you worked with them a little bit before they left and they were just yeah yeah so excited so yeah anyways that's exciting and not only not only that but planting churches in in our in the United States, I know there's it. so know many it. of these smaller mm-hmm. cities that need to be planted. Incredible communities, incredible people, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, thinking outside the box for how it can happen organically. People raising their own funds, etc. Yeah, uh, instead of just you know. Anyway, I just love. It. I just think you're doing an amazing job. the The powerful thing, Sean, is your your lessons. Great, of course, you're a great preacher. Your life speaks volumes. Your life yep. is convicting and it's inspiring. And yeah. it's a call higher for every person in that audience. And that's not an easy audience to preach to because those are all preachers. Mm-hmm. And yet you are a real inspiration and I really appreciate what you're doing. I just, the thing that inspires me is, is I go, you're tapping into deep wells of motivation to do what you're doing. I mean, to leave the country. 30, 32, 33 years ago, and to keep on preaching the gospel, I go, man, you are really tapping into a deep love for Jesus. And I, I appreciate that. It inspires me. It, it calls more out of me. It mm. really does. It, it really makes me, I'm sitting there going, I want to do more. I can do more. I can, I can, t- I can take another step. Mm. And it really, really lifted me up. So thank you. Thank you for getting on this podcast 11 o'clock at night after the first night. I know you're completely fried. Thank you for being so giving. Thank you to you, Joel Nagel and Joel Pede for staying up late. And look forward to tomorrow. Yeah. Mm. We've got a great program planned. I mean, it's going to be chalk. We're, we got a lot to talk about tomorrow night. It's an all-star lineup. I mean, <laughs> I'm not... I guess I'm on I mean, it. You want to just talk through of... the program, Joel, Joel Nagel? What, what do we got tomorrow? Yeah, well, it starts with kind of a, a first for our conference. Um, we, we've kind of... It's, it's been unique that we keep everybody together for every class, but we wanted to really um, uh, have a special track for the women this year. And so it starts with um, a women's class for the, for the morning, and at the same time it'll be Tony Singh. And uh, Tony's uh, amazing because he's, he's led large churches, and now he's doing so well with a small church. And so he, he really understands that they're not, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the challenges are unique, uh, but the... You know what you can do with a small church is is incredible, and so I think we'll learn so much and be so inspired. And uh, and then Darren's going to speak, um, and uh, and that'll be just some really good theology and how to you know interact with the world um, that that we're living in and the, the trends that we're seeing and how to keep our faith. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, Joel, you want to talk about what's happening after lunch? So. Um I'm really excited about Dr. Sean St. Jean, who is a trauma specialist and who is a workplace burnout specialist and a therapist as well as he's he's a professor of therapists. So 
Mm. Anyway, he's going to talk about the dynamics of our humanity while serving in the ministry and the different pressures we feel and how it affects our souls and our minds and our emotions. And So I'm excited about that. And then Christy and I are going to talk about minister wellness. And then after that is going to be um, Dave Pachta is going to talk about uh, his latest uh, studies and research um, and talking about the Thread uh, ministry and podcast, but it's more than a podcast, and you're <laughs> able to really uh, have Thread really impact your whole congregation. I'm just so excited about about Thread. I've listened to a number of uh, podcasts, and they're very, very powerful. I think they do a phenomenal job of combining the scriptures and the spirit and how they work together. Yeah. And so that's yeah, exciting. And then uh, and then the evening we have our inspirational focus. And uh, tomorrow night is uh, um, Kevin Miller from Boston. I know. That's going to yeah. be great. And a shout out to a special person who's um, a supporter of the podcast. That's Melanie Yu. And, you know, you shared about this tonight, but Melanie contacted me and said, hey, I'm really inspired about the CLIMB conference and I want to do something special for the participants. And and so Melanie is sponsoring a dessert bar tomorrow night for all of the, the people who are coming to the conference. So everyone's getting a, after Kevin Miller preaches, we're going to have a really a super nice spread dessert bar and everything. So Melanie, thank you so much for your love and for your consideration. Really appreciate that. And for supporting the Climb Conference, I know I know it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. <laughs> so we'll be back on tomorrow night to talk about it, and I want to talk also about Joel Pede's new book, The mm. Sabbatical Map. And so we've got to definitely cover that. Congratulations on getting that book yeah. new book out. Wow, thank you. So, Sean, thanks again. Thanks to you, Joel and Joel, and thanks, we'll thanks, see you Sean. tomorrow. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First, hit the subscribe button and send a link to your friends. Let your friends know about what you're listening to. People need really good listening to help them in their faith. I mean, maybe you haven't even thought about it. Like, you enjoy it, but you don't know anyone else who's listening to it. Let people know. It really helps people. Secondly, read and review one of my books, How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find them both on Amazon.com. Just look up Rob Skinner and you'll, you'll find the books. Finally, support the Rob Skinner podcast with a gift. The link is in the show notes. And all the people that are supporting the Rob Skinner podcast, thank you so much. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.